record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Hi, I'm Trisha Yearwood, and you're tuned to Furniture Today's On the Record podcast with Bill McLaughlin. Before we turn to Bill and his guests, I just want to give a shout out to the entire Furniture Today team and remind you that when there's something exciting to announce, you'll read about it first in Furniture Today. And now, here's Bill McLaughlin and On the Record. Well, hello there, pal. How are you this morning? Doing good. Hope you are, Tom. Beautiful day here in North Carolina. It is indeed. It is indeed. We want to welcome our uh, listeners to this week's edition of the Home Front, which is running as part of On the Record podcast. So everybody, welcome to this week's edition. We'd like to introduce our special guest this today, uh, who is Carl Lovett, Vice President of Sales for SunPan, Whole Home uh, Full Line Resource. Carl, welcome. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Um, I'm, uh, I'm talking to you from Toronto, Canada, up here in the in the great white north. <laughs> yes, it has. I guess it's uh, pretty chilly up there. I imagine uh, there is snow on the ground, and um, today today's going to be an above um, day, so it's it's a little bit nicer. But we've had quite a bit of snow in the last week, so yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I know the drill. I'm used to it. So. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, again, welcome. Um, we're excited to have you on this uh, this week's edition, Carl. Um, I know you folks have been doing a lot lately, uh, expanded showroom, expanded product categories. and But let's, let's start out, if we could, talking about this has been a challenging year for everybody indeed. How have you all managed, um, how has SunPan managed through the uh, course of this difficult and challenging year? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, this is uh, a year like like none else. I mean, it, it's it's great that we have this huge demand for furniture. Um, you know, I feel for other industries that are not, um, you know, in this situation. Um, we were lucky, um, and, and um, it, it was amazing that we were able to stay open um, back in the um, early spring, back in March and April. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have to shut down and, and close our operations. Um, we, we worked with a very skeleton staff. Our uh, warehouse was opening. We were still shipping product. Um, that, that helped quite a bit for us to, um, to stay open and, and keep the flow of goods going. Um, but not knowing what, you know, April was going to give us in May. Um, it, was, it was a scary time, to be honest. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, all your customers, their stores were closed. Um, not knowing when they'd reopen, um, you had to make decisions on whether you should bring product in, whether you should hold orders, whether you should cancel orders. Um, but I think in a very short time, we realized that, you know, things were going to bounce back. It would just be a matter of time. Um, we saw a demand a slowly start to tick up very early. And uh, we put our production, you know, on a somewhat hold. But very quickly after a couple of weeks, we took all the holds off and we just started kind of spacing it out. And, and as each week and every day went by, we'd meet, we'd meet every single week and we'd go through uh, our production and, and our needs. And, and every week we'd be like, hey, we need that. So let's, 
let's um, you know let's start the production back up on that particular product from that factory from that country. So you know being able to you know to operate and stay open during that time was really important for us to keep business flowing. And sure enough, you know after you know the stores reopened, there was this tidal wave of demand. And um, you know we've all been you know uh, dealing with this with demand, which is fantastic. But the supply chain is is really where the challenge is right now, and we're still challenged with supply. Um, but I think we've done a pretty good job of you know uh, maintaining inventory um, and keeping the flow of goods coming in. And and our, our business is very strong. And I think most people in the industry are I think they're experiencing some of the same uh, results. Um, Colonel, I was in your showroom um, talking with Roland Madry um, during during the first Tuesday, and you you guys have a pretty interesting model right now, um, especially for these times. Um, it's a mix of, you know, uh, obviously you know, some um, strong import merchandise, but you also have this North American um, upholstery um, operation too um, up there in Canada. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about how the, how those two play off each other, um, especially um, considering all these supply chain challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, like we all know, um, you know, in a in a you know in a stock portfolio, you need a you know a very well balanced you know portfolio. And, and I think you know us in the furniture industry sometimes we get caught up where you know we're doing too much production in one country. Mm -hmm. because it's working well and it's doing well but um you know things change and we've learned that you know the political climate uh keeps changing uh you know from month to month and i think about two years ago we decided hey we need to diversify uh, our production and we've always wanted to do something in north america it's mm -hmm. something we thought about for many years just we just couldn't find the right partner and and the timing um but we just had too much product that was coming out of one country and it was really important for us to spread it around. So we're doing product in India. Um, we've gone back into Malaysia again. Um, we're looking at Mexico, but we really wanted something in North America. And we partnered with a Canadian manufacturer uh, to create this domestic upholstery line. And it, it was a success right out, of the, right out of the gate. And we're really proud to sell something that's made in our own country. And I think we, we, we're gonna build on it uh, right away. So it was something always in the back you know, of our minds to do. And I think COVID and, and all the challenges that, you know, places like China and tariffs and thing, it, it forced us to do it earlier. So COVID has, I think, made a lot of us companies rethink the way we do things and change them and force us to do it quicker than what we were originally planning to do. So two-year plan becomes a, a one-year plan becomes a Yeah. Okay. Um, if I can real quickly, just kind of follow up on the upholstery. Down, down here in the States, um, upholstery um, manufacturers are facing, you know, huge issues in terms of foam supply, labor supply. A lot of the people who, um, who, a lot of people have opted to, you know, collect unemployment versus return to work. It's already a real tight labor market in that, in that category. Uh, what's, the, what's the situation there in Canada as far as, um, manufacturing constraints on, on your upholstery operation? I don't think, um, I think maybe in the summer, um, you know, we had some issues. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you're, if you're aware, you're following the cases in Canada. I mean, they're, 
they're, they're nowhere near the the numbers that you see in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and to give you an example, I, I, lo- I look at the numbers very carefully because before I went down to High Point, I was looking at the, the state of North Carolina and how many cases they had. Well, North Carolina had more COVID cases the entire country of Canada in, in wow. you know, September, right? So you've got our entire country, which is spread out in a very, very large landmass with less uh, COVID cases than North Carolina. So I was a little, you know, concerned about going there, but I'm very safe. And so we don't, I don't think we had the issues uh, that maybe uh, some of the American upholstery manufacturers are having with labor and people not wanting to work and, you know, and, uh, you know, take a subsidy from the government. We saw a little bit about not, maybe not in the furniture industry, but we saw that in warehousing, you know, positions in North America, uh, specifically in Canada and Toronto. We saw finding warehouse work was a little difficult, um, but we maintained most of our staff, and uh, and that was really more of a summer thing. It was like, mm-hmm. but we, we we kind of pushed through that now. I, I don't see any labor issues um, at at this time here in Canada. I feel that um, the job market's pretty strong, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity for jobs here, and and people are willing to go to work, and and it's safe, and it's very safe. Well, that certainly seems to put you folks at a disadvantage, at, at an advantage. I'm sorry, an advantage yeah. in the category. Um, but you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, um, and I, I think few companies could have predicted this surge in demand um, once retail reopened. But I mean, did you did you folks have a sense of particularly like with imports that? You know, we really need to be prepared from an inventory standpoint because because you do source. You know, India we know had some big challenges. I think some of their factories were shut down through May and maybe even longer in some cases. So you've got this sort of dichotomy of of challenges by country and given the the diversity, which is a good thing for your sourcing. Um, were you able to kind of um, forecast or say, look, we need to bulk up? And how soon did you all kind of re- realize this? So I think that's, you know, when 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 I look back at the timeline, you know, things kind of hit in March. You know, everything started to shut down in April. You know, April was a tough month, I think, for anyone in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were really watching the month of May very, very closely. And we saw an uptick in May. Um, you know, I think in the first two weeks, and that was the first signal for us to say, Hey, listen, you know, I see things on a, this is turning around and, mm-hmm. and we see an uptick here and we're seeing some demand. And uh, that's when I think we started looking at all of our production throughout the world and all of our different countries we're dealing with and saying, we, we've got to examine what we've got on the, um, in production and uh, on the books here and, and, and check out what are the new lead times. Right? It, it wasn't about how much we had in production, but it was like what were going to be the new lead times is what mm. we were looking at very, very carefully. When are we actually going to get this product uh, is something that we followed closely for every week for months and months. Um, but we were able to get some goods out of India, uh, which helped. And Vietnam, there was a bit of a stall there as well. Um, China, it wasn't really much of a problem, um, I think, by the time June came around for our production in China. Mm. Right now seems to be the problem because we're all, you know, everyone's trying to get goods out before Chinese New Year. So there's that mad rush that we get every year. But this year, I think it's amplified, you know, times 10. Um, yeah. yeah it, it's crazy what's going on 
you know, in the shipping, uh, I'm sure you're hearing about this and finding space on ships and, you know, securing bookings. And um, in Vietnam, there's not even ships. Forget about space. Mm -hmm. there, there's just a lack of ships that are going down there uh, to pick up containers. So right now we're in a logistical type of, uh, you know, uh, situation right now, which I would think will somewhat settle down after we get past the Chinese New Year, you know, mad rush. Sure. Yeah, every, everybody's kind of in the same boat on that if they're bringing in anything from overseas. Um, I was talking to um, one resource this week who said that you've got, you've got spot rates. So many people have, um, it, you know, have exceeded their contracted amount of containers, you know, for the year. And the spot rates keep going up. But on top of that, um, there's surcharges to even just get things on on a on, on a ship. Um, yeah. He was telling me they were they they had some instances where it was costing them six thousand dollars, you know, per can to you know, with with the surcharges, fuel charges, um, high spot rate. Uh, how how are you guys dealing with that? Is there any way? Is there anything you can do to kind of get around that as far as not having it impact your pricing too much. You know, that, that's something that I think none of us could have predicted. I mean, we know that there's high season. We know there's low season, you know, the peak and, you know, the rates go up. Um, we tend not to get into contracts when it comes to ocean freight. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, it, it's not really has ever worked for our formula. Um, we, we do get we do get product on 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 ships. Um, I have heard about this securing a booking surcharge and i've heard it's up to as high as 2500 uh, mm -hmm. on top of the ocean freight um, mm -hmm. just to secure a booking i have heard this um I, I don't know if we've actually paid it yet um but i know that uh they're they're asking this and it's it's sad to see this i mean it's sad to see that you know it's come to this where supply and demand and and i feel like some of us in the industry are thinking like they're really taking advantage of this situation and and i don't know whether they're trying to make up for you know maybe money that they lost when they gave ocean freight away really cheap when things were down but um yeah it's unfortunate to see this but that's that's capitalism right supply and demand yeah, sure. and well, yeah, i don't yeah. think uh, Powell, to answer your question i don't think there's really any way around it yeah. you know, I, I think if you want the goods on the ship you've got to pay well we've um uh, I, I was looking at some of the financials for some of the major carriers air cma um people like that and, and the the amount of profit they're making compared with the with the revenue is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, that's most of the people I talk to just don't see that that easing up until Chinese New Year at the earliest. So yeah, we're all in the same boat there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be all fair if you know if if we you know we've heard that they they've taken some ships offline you know, you know, and park them. And, and if, if that's happening, that's, it's, it's sad that if they're doing that, but, um, you know, they, they could say they need to be repaired, you know, they're in for servicing. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. And this is a short term uh, situation. I really hope, I hope the, that we're not in this, uh, you know, come spring of next year. Uh, I doubt that it will. Um, but yeah, this is something that we're just going to be facing. I mean, it's just going to be adding to the cost of, uh, of product. It's a very, very tricky um, time right now. Well, that was something, wasn't it? 
This is Trisha again for Klausner Home Furnishings. For my very first collection, I knew I'd come to the right place, that Klausner understood what I wanted to do with my furniture, how I wanted to share my recipe for comfortable living with the world. Now let's get back to Bill McLaughlin and see what he and his guests have to share with us. You know, one of the things too that we've talked about, Carl, is, um, you know, the idea of uh, developing product. You know, obviously a lot of the demand that we've seen is um, for inline goods. What can I get now? What can I get immediately sooner versus later? But it seems that you all at SunPan have taken a, a pretty aggressive approach to developing new product, not only in your existing categories, but but also some of these new uh, categories that you had uh, in, in really nice vignettes of the showroom that you showed me in um, in October. Uh, so is are we going to be continuing to see some virtual product development um, moving forward into the new year? Um, how is that going? Yeah, so I think the, you know, the fact that we did, um, you know, expand this year is something incredible to say, you know, um, you know, who would ever think of expanding their showroom in the middle of this crisis, <laughs> uh, especially a trade show, knowing that, you know, no one's going to show up. Um, mm -hmm. we, we, we decided that we couldn't turn back. We had already made the commitment to do it. The, the wheels were in motion. Um, so I think, you know, here at SunPen, we just said, you know what, we, we just got to double down on this, right? Where we've got this beautiful uh, location, this beautiful showroom. Um, so we didn't, we didn't hold back. We, we pushed on our development. We introduced a, a beautiful rug line. We uh, expanded our lighting line. We um, introduced the domestic upholstery line. Uh, and then we introduced also an outdoor collection. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like in a time where others are just like, just trying to manage their inventory. Uh, of course we were doing that because of the showroom. We said, we gotta, you know, we gotta fill the showroom and, um, so the product introductions were huge in, in High Point. And, and Tom, you and I spoke about High Point uh, this past fall, and we, we, had, a, we had a fantastic show. We mm -hmm. had, 16, I think, over 1,600 customers come through. Now, of course, a lot of the major clients weren't there, but I think because we were one of the few showrooms that, you know, acted like as if COVID wasn't even happening uh, this year and, and really went forward with all these new introductions and this expansion, um, it's it's really uh, helped us quite a bit. For sure, it's a great right. time to do it, but it, it was a, a very um, you know risky bet. But uh, this bet has definitely paid off for us. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pal um, has been covering a lot of the uh, the first Tuesday, um, uh, per, you know, uh, proceedings, and um, it's a really interesting dynamic that we've seen with that. I think you know, at market a lot of the the um the folks that had lower attendance did get to see a lot of good customers at pre-market and of course pre-market will continue um but now we've got first tuesday pal you've been you know more about that perhaps than anybody yeah i um uh, you were mentioning the investment in showroom and um a lot of you and a lot of other people are looking to make a little bit more out of that investment i think um, I was down there. I was down there last week, and um, the it, it was coming right off the Thanksgiving holiday. So I don't think anybody expected that to be gangbusters as far as the number of people who came. Yeah. But um, several people 
including um, including Sunpan, reported some surprises, um, a lot more walk-in. Um, but um, it's Tom was talking about product development, and I noticed with you guys, um, you mentioned your outdoor category. Um, Roland showed me some. Um, I think I think it was just photos at that point, but um, some um, sofas that were developed off some really strong selling outdoor chairs, um, that kind of thing, kind of trickling product in digestible amounts uh, between markets to retailers. So um, that's I'm, I think the main thing they wanted to do was kind of get that off the ground before the end of the year, mm-hmm. and um, we'll see how that plays out moving forward. Do you have any? Can can you talk a little bit about your first experience with First Tuesday? And um, also, I notice you're involved in this committee too. So um, this to kind of more formalize the some of the marketing and structure of it. Yeah, well, we heard about the First Tuesday, and and we heard about you know um, possibly figuring out how to bring customers in outside of pre market and market. Um, in the back of our minds, we always thought you know. This would be a fantastic idea to have customers, you know, to be able to come in and see the showroom in between markets, um, you know, because of COVID uh, for safety reasons. But even if there was no COVID, uh, and, and if I go back to the very first time I ever went to High Point, um, I don't know, maybe 20 plus years ago, I, I, I'll never forget going into the, the downtown High Point core. And I'm like, so this is, this whole city is furniture you know, showroom. And it's only open for like one week, twice a year. And I go, what happens in between? Like, like nothing. I I was so shocked, you know, on that. And I was like, how does that work? And I was so amazed. And, And back then I always thought, well, you know, how do they figure out, how can we figure out to bring people into High Point in North Carolina all year round for different types of shows? So when I heard about First Tuesday and and, you know, I thought this was a fantastic idea. We're super excited about it. Um, we want to have our showroom open, you know, every day of the week and, and available by appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that customers should be able to come into market and visit 20 or 30 or 40 showrooms at a time, um, you know, for over a two to three day period, any time of the year. You know, why, why do they have to come when we say we should we should make the market open when they're available. So I'm super excited about it, and I hope uh, I hope other exhibitors uh, jump on board because if we get some really good high profile exhibitors, um, it'll only help with the attendance. and And I think customers also like it too. They feel like they get the whole showroom to themselves. It's not crowded. Uh, they, they can take their time. Um, and the other thing I also like about it is product development. We don't have to we don't have to do our product development around pre-market and market anymore. We could just do product development at any time, meaning I, I could ship goods there in January if I've got new goods. Mm-hmm. Knowing that maybe the first Tuesday of January, maybe the first Tuesday of February, uh, we're gonna be showing a product there. We're also using that showroom as a photo studio as well. So it, it really encourages us to get new product development there quicker, get it photographed because it's a, we have some beautiful vignettes and, you know, and, and settings there. It's become a, a, a great place to photograph product. So, yeah, I think we've rethought the way we do things. We don't think about just market. We just think about this is a showroom and how do we how do we get goods there faster and and uh, how do we bring customers in all year round uh, with and without COVID. 
So it's super yeah. exciting the first Tuesday. Sure. That the dynamic really seems especially well timed, not just due to the pandemic and these other issues we've been talking about, but um, as as we all know, there's been a lot of investment in kind of standalone showrooms. Um, you know, Nigerian is kind of an example, um, Parker House, I think. Um, and then we have Riverside, you know, coming up next April with their own showroom and the former YMCA. So whether you own your space or lease your space, it puts everybody at a, at a prime uh, opportunity, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, buyers, you know, are, are very busy and, um, you know, they, um, they, they want to be able to decide they want to come up and, you know, go to High Point, you know, uh, next week. Um, you know, and, and they know that there's going to be, you know, a couple of key, uh, you know, suppliers open. I mean, it's, 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 it's great for the industry. It's great for, uh, for the showrooms that are exhibiting. Uh, it's great for High Point that they're bringing people in uh, mm -hmm. all year round. Uh, you know, it helps uh, support the local economy, which is always a great thing. I always find, you know, High Point just peaks and then it, you know, and then it's a ghost town when, when the market's yeah. So I think in, in general for North Carolina and High Point, if we could get a steady flow of people coming in, it's good all around for everyone. Yeah, for sure. I wonder, uh, we talked some about product development and um, Sunpan certainly made some uh, aggressive moves and um, um, some new and um, expanded categories. Is Without giving you away your store too much, is there <laughs> anything that you can um, tell us about the company's emphasis or emphases um, in the coming year um, as far as product direction and, and you know, where, where your focus is going to be? Um, I don't think there's any category that's new that I'm, I'd be letting the cat out of the bag on, really. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're going to build on the domestic upholstery right away um, because mm -hmm. it's been very successful. Um, we are definitely going to build on the lighting uh, and the rugs. Our goal is to sell the room. Right? Yeah. We, we can sell you the entire room. Uh, when, I, when I look back in years, we used to put um, someone else's art on our wall. We used to buy rugs for someone else for our showroom. And, you know, we, we buy lighting from other vendors for our showroom. And, you know, over the years, it kind of, you know, customers would say, hey, is that for sale? Is that for sale? I mean, this looks beautiful. And so I think we just got to build on the room, keep, keep providing, you know, our clients with, um, you know, that one-stop shopping, you know, a great uh, place to source um, the, the room and, and, and everything in it, the wall art, the lighting rugs. Um, I don't think we'll get into textiles. I don't see anything like that or bedding. Mm -hmm. um, mattresses has been, you know, thrown around over the last couple of years and, you know, things that are going on with duties and stuff like that. I don't see it, but, you know, I mean, I do have a mattress background, so I wouldn't be against it. I, I, I do like the mattress business. And mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, I think we're just going to build on the, the collection, the new collections that we've just launched um, and just um, expand them as, as they, um, uh, yeah, as the year goes on. Yeah. Well, we certainly look forward to those developments. Um, you know, we, at this time of year, we always do our sort of year in review um, outlook in our retail planning guide, which is going to be coming out uh, next week after this is uh, this airs, um, is there any final thoughts that you have on the year ahead? I mean, you know, we've got 
some potential vaccines coming out there. What do you think is the outlook for the furniture uh, industry in general? Do you have a, a sense of what, what folks can kind of expect, um, whether it's logistics or product availability or any, anything all the above? Yeah, um, we, we talk about this quite often. I, I think the logistics part will work its way out, um, you know, after Chinese New Year. I think we'll think, see things come back to some kind of normalcy. Um, production is a little challenging. Uh, we're, we're, we're buying into Q3 and Q4 now of mm. 2021. Mm. Um, wow. So, uh, yeah, I think pr production is going to be, there's going to be holes in people's inventory. You know, there's going to be retailers and, and distributors and wholesalers that are going to have holes for sure. There's no doubt. Um, but that'll keep that demand going. I, I do feel even with the vaccine, um, there will be a strong demand all throughout 2021. I think that um, the U.S. economy is in a, in a stage to have a, a pretty strong rebound um, once people start getting back to work and, um, and there's a vaccine and you get people traveling again, the airlines, the hotel, the restaurants. We need, we need the, um, you know, that sector to get, you know, those people to get back to work. Um, a lot of sectors have gone back to work, but not all of them. So I'm very bullish. I'm very optimistic. I think next year is going to be a very strong year for home. Uh, are people going to be working from home still? Absolutely. This is going to be part of the norm. Um, I think some people will eventually go back to the office, but there'll be a rotating work from home schedule. Uh, we've all proven to, uh, you know, the, the management and companies that people work for that they can do their job just as well at home. Um, and, and maybe it, it saves the company money and less traveling and um, less office space that they might need to rent or lease. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think the stay at home thing will, will be around for a while. Therefore, people are going to want to furnish their home office and, you know, in their, their surroundings. So, yeah, I, I'm very bullish for 2021 right into 2022. I think we've probably got a good one to three year wave here that we're riding. Well, we look forward to that and um, certainly uh, wish you all the best at SunPan as we hopefully continue to ride that wave for the next one, two, three years, perhaps longer. I think these these are habits that we're talking about. People are you know, working at home, um, investing in their furniture for their home. So um, again, uh, you've been listening to the home front part of On the Record this week with our special guest, Carl Lovett, Vice President of Sales at SunPan. Carl, we want to, Pell and I want to thank you again, sincerely. It's really been a pleasure catching up with you on this podcast. We appreciate your participation and insights very much. Thanks thank you, gentlemen. Great time talking with you both, as yeah. always. Yes, right. and I hope you all have a very happy holiday, Merry Christmas, et cetera. Um, and we will talk to you in the uh, in the new year, Carl. Thanks again. Thank Stay you. Warm. Yeah, thank okay. you all. Thank Take you. Bye-bye. Right. See you. Bye.